Dustin Bogle is a sales expert, multi-location gym owner and former pro wrestler. This episode you will learn from Dustin's extensive experience in the fitness industry. He shares insights on standing out in a saturated market, the importance of building relationships and the significance of leadership, culture and systems in growing a successful business. You will also gain valuable insights on the compounding effects of changing your habits, the challenges and rewards of entrepreneurship, the benefits of hiring a mentor or coach, and why Dustin is at war with obesity. To be honest, it was more, I was actually out of shape in high school. I was 260 pounds. I'm a tall guy, I'm like 6'2", so I wore it really well. But I was definitely overweight. I had a lot of extra body fat, and I would wear big pictures, which or sorry, big pictures, big clothes. All fat people know this hack. Like the bigger the clothes, they'll kind of hide my shape. And so um, eventually I got to a place where I was lucky enough to cross paths with somebody who saw that I was in pain and knew that I needed some, some change in my life. And so they tapped me on the shoulder one day in one of my classes in high school and said, hey man, I'm gonna go catch a workout. Do you wanna go with me? And I think the way that he asked in a very non-judgmental way made me say yes. And so I went with him and I fell in love at the first workout. We basically did your standard meathead workout, which is chest and biceps, which all guys know you want to hit your, your muscles that make you feel like, you know, pumped up with your ego. And, um, I committed to going with him to the gym every day for six months and I lost 60 pounds of body fat. And I got so lean, I had like visible abs, I had, you know, arms that were really muscular. And so that was me first needing to go through that to get myself transformed. But then I eventually decided I wanted to help other people to get this gift. And I wanted to take the focus off of me and turn it into helping others. So that was kind of like how I first got introduced and where I got what I'd say bit by the iron bug, uh, addicted to lifting those weights. So yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, becoming an iron addict is a, is a fatal addiction. And I, I mean that as in you'll do it until you die as in not as in it will kill you, but as in you'll keep doing yeah. it for the rest of your life because it feels good. There's not many downsides, if any. And it's something that, you know, the more you give is the more you get type thing. There's a lot of people that are big into fitness and, you know, preach this message, but like you never know it until like you said, when you tried it. So this was high school. And so coming out of high school now, you've you know lost this 60 pounds, you're lean, you're built. And what did you decide to do with that? Did you go into personal training or did you kind of just go into a regular job type thing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was dipping into a lot of different jobs. And, and I actually tell people when they don't know what they want to do, I said the fastest way to find out is to almost speed date jobs. So I worked at a fast food restaurant, did construction, and basically as I did them for a month or two, I quickly said to myself, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And um, I don't know, at one point I said, why don't I try being a personal trainer and getting my certification? And so I ordered this study at home kit, I got it, I did it, and immediately I just started advertising on Craigslist, and this was pre-social media, so I'm, I'm like making business cards and hustling and talking to friends who wants to work with me. And I end up filling up my calendar pretty good where I could actually make a living doing it. And so um, I, I, I didn't intend on being a business owner or no one in my family's ever been one before me. But it was just the fact that I could amass enough clients that it kind of became my income and I didn't need a boss and I didn't need to work somewhere that I decided that I could do this full time. 
And also, it was never in my mind ever once that I'm 20 years in, I want to quit. Like, I loved it. I loved waking up. I loved talking to people. I loved educating them around nutrition and training. And so all those other jobs that I had, that entered my mind, usually like within the first week or two. I was like, okay, I don't love this. I don't want to do this. And so that's that very formative time in your life where everybody's pressuring you like it's high school. What are you going to do? What's next? What, what, what career are you going to jump into? And you're just like, I don't know. Like I, I'm barely coming up into adulthood. I was just a kid a few years ago and you weren't asking me all these questions. So um, that helped me to speed date my way to what I did love. And so um, I pretty much filled up my plate with almost 40 private clients. Some of them coming into my garage and training with me. Some of them. I would go to their house and that gave me the confidence to say, I think I can now bring this into a brick and mortar space and open my first gym. So that's kind of yeah. how that a spot transpired in a matter of a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, that's quite rapid growth and you're, you know, fairly young at this point. I'm assuming you're in your early twenties, you know, just figuring yeah. it out if not your late teens. And for you, you're just like, right, cool. I'm going to try as many things as possible because that's the best way to find out. And, you know, luckily for you, in a quick succession, because you were going so fast, you found what you loved. Now, was it one of those ones where you were, where you were and you're like, right, I can't keep having people come into my house. I can't keep traveling around like this. I'd rather have one place where everyone knows, like, right, come down to Dustin's gym. You can train with him or you can train with the people he trusts. Is that kind of how you got to get in your first gym? Yes, 100%. And so I was scouting out buildings, looking at my area. And you're right, I did want to eventually get them out of the elements because in my garage, it's cold when it's cold and it's hot when it's hot. And it wasn't exactly a professional experience. I went to like a local carpet store and I went in the remnants in the garbage can. I like laid out this big roll that I found for my flooring and I went and bought equipment here and there and kind of pieced together a gym. But it didn't really scream, you know, professional training environment. But hey, that goes to show anybody that's got kind of this like, you know, band-aid kind of business that everything's not beautiful and perfect. Uh, my clients stayed, they referred, they paid on time every month. And so that told me they didn't come for the equipment or the floor. They came for me and the way I made them feel and the experience they're getting even in a garage. And so then I just knew I'm going to take it to the next level when I get into an actual official building. And I, I, like you said, I can have an address. I can advertise on Google. I can start putting out formal marketing. And, and that's what my plan was. And so that's where things kind of got nuts. And in a matter of six years, I opened six gyms. And uh, there's a lot of things that I learned in that, in that time frame. Um, and so, uh, you know, first first lesson to people in business is that in today's world, again, I, I might have those old school things built in me where we're very much spoon fed leads through digital marketing. It's so easy to press a button, set it up and names and phone numbers are coming to you. And not many people have any experience with having to go out and talk to people and shake hands and go out in the community and walk into a brick and mortar and talk to people, join chamber of commerces, all these things. So I really think the ultimate success is at the crossroads of both. If you can learn the digital marketing game and you can get to know people locally and get involved in the community, that is where you're going to have like a, a huge, you know, surge of growth. And that's again, because I was before digital marketing, I had to learn that. So then when digital marketing came, I was like ready for it. And we, we, we grew very quickly. Yeah. And a lot of people would say, oh, the fitness industry is so saturated. The gym market is so saturated. But for you, you were like, I've got one. This is at capacity. I see a good location over there. Might as well get a second one and keep my technique going off, you know, in-person marketing and digital marketing. 
a few a few of the gyms that I've been to, you know, if it's a nice hot day, you see them outside with a table. They've got shakes, protein bars, and they're trying to sign people up that way. And, and as far as I'm aware, that probably worked. I'm not sure because I've never worked in a gym how that goes. But I know online ads tend to get people, especially if you've got like a, a program that you're selling, you know, oh, get fit for summer, you know, beach body. Anybody who's done fitness is definitely looked at or tried to do insanity with Sean T, you know, that kind of at home thing. And you you soon find out that you really need equipment if you're trying to build a body, but you can do some body weight stuff. But I Mm. I guess what I'm trying to get to is for you, the second gym, why? What was the whole reason or thinking behind this? Were you trying to grow and expand or was it more of like a necessity? I think that's just my personality. And I bet a lot of entrepreneurs are wired like this, like expansive, like, domination you're not happy with just one more and more and more and i had to go to my point sam where i eventually hit my breaking point and so there was a huge business lesson that i learned through this growth i thought old dustin it was equipment and coaches and i and the business is off and running and i can go and look for the next one so i was just like buy dumbbells hire some coaches they run sessions on to the next one and i thought that's all there was to it But what I didn't scale and where things actually started to go backwards was uh, leadership, culture, and systems. And so I knew the systems up here and I would say them, but they were not documented anywhere. So there was Mm -hmm. people had questions, guess whose phone's ringing off the hook. So huge issue, right? Uh, Leadership. I did not groom anybody to be a leader. I did not put somebody in place where there's like a chain of command. I'm like, when I'm not here, this person's running the show. So guess where all the questions are coming. And then third, culture. There was things I did at location one that made it really special. And I wanted those things to be replicated. But the further that those locations were positioned away from the first one, the weaker the culture get. And it was because, you know, at one point, the one of the locations we opened was two and hours plus from the first. They're not going to drive over there to go check it out. And I'm not going to ask them. But essentially, that did not get translated. So when you kind of hire cold people off of Indeed and just hand them uh, keys to a building with no systems, no leader, and they didn't know how things are going to location one, I'm sure you can see the train wreck happening, which I did not see. And so what happened is, although I had immense growth, that doesn't mean they were all successful. In fact, my one location was bringing in more money than when I had six. Um, and it's because your focus gets spread. So big learning lesson that I got from that was more is not better. Better is better. If you have a, you know, like a very lean business that's extremely profitable is better than having that ego. If I have more spread out, you know, more impact in terms of name recognition, but I'm not bringing in more. In fact, our business is more unstable. And so I actually had to end up selling a couple locations because I knew I bit off more than I could chew. So um, although it's impressive and it sounds really cool, um, there were some major pains and learning lessons in that expanse. Yeah. And having those systems and teams is, is super important, like you said. And I'm wondering for you, what is it that you did to kind of differentiate, you know, Dustin's gym from everyone else's? What kept people coming yes. in? Because they could go to 24-hour fitness or Planet Fitness, for, you know, 15 to $20 a month and, and get whatever they need. Like, there's a reason why they're coming oh, yeah. to you in particular. Well, something we haven't dived into, but this is a good time to bring it up, is another fun fact about me when I was in high school is I actually got into pro wrestling meaning not watching it like many fans did i actually got in the ring went to school and got trained on how to be a pro wrestler 
And so this was happening at the same time of me getting in shape and wanting to, you know, help people with their fitness and getting certified. So it was right around the last couple of years of high school. And so one of the things that I, I learned in that business, I applied uh, into my new business, fitness. And one of them was you got to be unique because most of the wrestling characters we remember have a very unique, distinct character. So the Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, they all have a very distinct and unique character. And then I could probably give you a hundred wrestlers that people have forgotten because they had a very forgettable gimmick or character. And and so the only way you're going to make it is you got to be memorable to the audience. Well, I knew, as you said, fitness is very saturated, especially between the years of 2010 and 2020. There was a boom of group training programs and there's still a boom. You know, you got F45, Orange Theory and many others across the nation and, and around the world. And so I knew I needed my product to be unique. So I knew from my background in wrestling, I'm going to bring this into business and I'm going to apply it. And so what I remembered was the every the audience remembers the beginning and they remember the end. So I was like, okay, how could I apply this to my workouts? The first thing that made us really unique is that most of the time when you walk into a gym, nobody knows you're there, nobody cares you're there. And so I wanted to remember every single client's name on at least a first name basis and greet them at the door by their first name. And that way, immediately, we disarm them from feeling uncomfortable because most people don't like going to the gym. They have these uh, insecurities that they're out of shape or that they're, they're not going to know the exercises we're doing. And so it's a very insecure feeling. And so to immediately make people feel comfortable, we want to give them a warm greeting and say their first name and just take that edge off. So it's like, hey, Susan, how's it going? We're so excited to have you do our workout this morning. And so immediately that was something that I noticed clients remarked, not the workouts. You know, again, our trainer brain as, you know, fitness pros would be, man, they're going to love my leg workout today. I got all these crazy exercises planned. They're going to feel it. Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to hate me, but they're going to love me when they feel this, the muscle soreness. They don't care about the workouts. They cared that I remembered their name and that made them feel important. And especially when you had a room of 20 or 30 people and you can literally go one by one and remember every person's name. So that's something I trained in my staff and we still do it to this day. And that was the start, like remembering your name. Um, and then on the other end, how did we wrap up? How do we finish strong? How do we have that big grand finale? Well, again, most of the time in workouts, it's a pretty lame ending. It's stretching and then see you tomorrow for another great workout. And so I wanted to take that time to actually tell stories and to really inspire people and educate them as well because I don't we didn't have time to formally sit them down and take them through nutrition university or fit, fat loss university so I would plug it in while they're stretching and I wouldn't want it to make it just boring data I'd want to package it into a story and so an example one I'll share with you guys is I, I talk about the Chinese bamboo tree and so the Chinese go and plant seeds and they have to water it and they have to nurture the soil for seven years and it never comes up through the the earth you have to just be remembering where you put these seeds and nurturing it and having that faith for seven years and the crazy thing that happens is in seven years finally the the bamboo tree sprouts up and in a matter of six weeks it goes 80 feet high uh in growth and so how does this apply to fat loss well i tell the clients what you don't see with this bamboo tree is what's happening underneath the ground and it is building deep roots to hold up something that's going to be 80 feet tall. 
And so I say to the clients, if you're showing up every day, the muscle that you're building beneath the skin is revving up your metabolism roots. You showing up to the gym, being consistent roots, you changing your eating habits roots. You're not going to see any of this change until all these roots are settled. And then you're going to have your massive transformation because you've laid that foundation. And so that's the type of stories I would tell. And people say, oh, my God, like now I see why you're always preaching consistency and like, oh, that explains why I've been showing up here for a month and I haven't seen results. I'm planting my roots. I'm building my foundation. And so they would tell me I would go and tell these stories to my my husband when I got home and I would tell my kids, I tell my coworkers. And so that put pressure on me. I was like, I got to have a new story Monday through Saturday and I got to do this all year round. But I like that pressure. And I knew that it would help me to, again, have a unique business because I had a very unique start and a very unique finish to my workouts. And that's what made us stand out in a very saturated market. Yeah. I mean, as well as training their body, you're also training their mind because exactly like you said, working out isn't one of those things where it's, you know, six weeks, you get a six pack as much as people sell those type of things. Realistically, as a personal trainer or as a fitness trainer, you want people to be working out for life or working out for the long term so they can get those internal benefits that aren't always external you know increased lung capacity better blood flow reduction all these kind of health problems and and i'm wondering for you dustin how did you get your mindset to where it's at because for you it sounded like when you were you know an overweight teen your mindset was just low you were like oh gosh i don't know what to do about this the way it sounded is like one day this person said to you, let's work out and your mindset switch. But I'm sure that was a process and there was a lot of self-work you had to do to get there. Yes. Uh, great, great question. Actually, I was dating a girl and her, her dad was actually a mentor to me. He bought me a ticket to an Anthony Robbins event. He, he foot the bill. I think it was a UPW. It was like $800. And he said, I'm sending you and my daughter because Tony Robbins changed my life and I wanted you to go. And so he was like my introduction to the self-development world. And that was a pretty mind-blowing experience. And in fact, that was where I learned he, he's very active with his events. He's got people, you know, stand up, do jumping jacks, high five, you know, air guitar. I'm going to spray the audience with water, super soakers. And like he wants you moving. And he actually told us at the event why he does it. He revealed his, his secret. He said, I need you moving. Because when there's blood flowing, you are in the best state to receive information. But when you are static and you start yawning and you start dozing off and the blood flow is low, you're not. eventually there's a point where it blocks information from coming in. So he's like, when I get that, and he's like, here's the funny thing. We actually don't plan it. My team has to be on standby. I literally, I have great EQ. I read the audience. I'm like, they need to be woken up or get the music going. Hey guys, get them jumping up and down. And he's like, I can read the audience and I call it on the fly and I get everybody up. And then I sit and I teach and let the information come in. And when I kind of feel like I've overtaught and you can't take anymore, we switch to movement. So I said, okay, well, I'm literally training people for 30 minutes every day, 30, 45 minute workouts. What a great time to drop some knowledge into him. I'm going to steal your hack there, Tony Robbins. And eventually it led me into diving into self-development books. That's where I got a lot of stories that I would teach my clients. It'd be stories from my life, my client's life, and then books that I was reading. So that again, put the pressure on me. I was like, I need to be on top of my reading and my self-development because I'm going to run out of stories. And then the, you know, my, my clients won't, won't want to come back. So it was definitely that introduction to that event. And then investing in books and going to conferences because this is again pre-podcast which now i'm definitely all in on but those are my main sources of self-development 
Yeah, I think every entrepreneur that's, you know, striving for better or to, you know, improve themselves knows that self-development is where it's at. And you'd be one of many people I've spoken to that's like, Tony Robbins changed my life. You know, I know people that are in the upper, upper echelons of his stuff where they're going to his house and doing the whole, you know, plunge pool thing. And then there's people like even my mother who had his tapes you know, it, this is way back in the 90s, a big book of these cassette tapes that you just plug in and play and you hear his very gravelly voice telling you how to fix what you've got going on or think around your problems. And then there's these events where, like you said, you know, there's plenty of videos out there of how wild these things get, how emotional they are, but how also physical they are. And it's like, yeah, you might not get your time to talk to him directly, but, you know, it kind of feeds back into what you're saying earlier. He has his team which are trained on his principles and his teachings and how he, you know, does his thing that come out there and, you know, deliver the same quality stuff, if not better, because you're getting it one-to-one. So I'm I'm wondering for you, once you kind of got on your self-development journey, you know, obviously it's an ongoing, like much like fitness, it's a lifelong process. You know, even to this day, I'm learning new things and improving myself. You got to a point where you said you had, you know, six gyms in six years and then you scaled it back what was it like when you had to make that decision to scale back? Was it like a moment of failure or was it like a moment of realization for you? Yeah, it, it definitely was very much beating myself up. Uh, Cause I knew these are clients that now won't have a gym home. These are team members that got to go move on and find new jobs. And then me feeling like I was this big kahuna now feeling like a failure. And so I had to have somebody reframe it to me, which was a great, you know, thing for me because who knows how long I would have been in that mental state. But they said the best business leaders know when to cut their losses. And it's not that you want to feel like you're, you know, people are just, you know, indispensable and you want to cut them out. It's not the case. But actually, you know, you're failing them by keeping it open because, you know, it's not going to grow to be successful and allow them to have upward mobility. So you're almost holding them hostage from another company where they could experience opportunity. And so that was like the reframe I needed. Like, OK, this is a good thing. You know, again, most of the things we find is in personal development, reframing how something that was a challenge is actually serving you. And so uh, even even the biggest people in business are doing it. I mean, Elon Musk had to go through a massive scale back because he got into the books and saw Twitter's over leverage. We got too many people. We're not making enough money to be paying all these people. We need to lean it out. And so that was the the reframe that helped me to feel less guilty, less kind of like self, you know, like um, attack on myself and, you know, move on from it and just say, yes, I'm, I'm basically having to cut this weight that's also distracting me from my strongest gyms and my stronger team members. I'm not able to serve them and create more opportunities for them and really, you know, maximize these businesses. So that was kind of how I, did, I had to go through it and rewire the way I was thinking about it. And then, um, you know, pretty much doing everything I can to help the clients and the team through the transition. I was actively trying to find other gym owners in the area that I tr- believed in their product and I was literally just going to send them like a wave of clients and telling people go there because I wanted the transition to be as painless as possible. And so that says a lot about your reputation, right? Like even when you're going to like lo- let somebody get off your team, are you actively even trying to help them find a job? Like, oh my God, like what a mind blowing experience versus you're terminated best of luck, right? So that was what I was doing with my team and my clients is trying to find where they could go and that way, you know, it's a win for everybody. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how I had to reframe it, Sam. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you said that part about Elon because I've said that to a fair few people like, no, he's ruining it. He's doing this, he's doing that. I'm like, sometimes when a business is bloated, you've got to cut the fat, trim the edges and see what the bare bones of the business is. What is the most lean way we can run this business? And it's like, okay, that's not working. Got to find someone to fix that. Okay, that is working. Great, reward those people for that. But one thing that you kind of touched on there that I really want to kind of dive deeper into is, well, I say you touched on, but it was implied is like, you know, some of these gyms weren't really selling out. And with a gym, it's like, you know, in an ideal world, you have your gym oversubscribed and, you know, you hope everyone doesn't show up at 6 a.m. ready <laughs> ready to, to, to pump some iron. You know, you want people to show up throughout the day. You want some people to, you know, come for a couple of days out the week and you hope that doesn't overflow. But there's also a very seasonal thing about the gym that, you know, people in the business know what I'm talking about, but people you know kind of roughly know there's that new year energy where people want to get in the gym so january the gym is packed and by march time you see the people that have dropped off and the people that are staying and then those people might stay till about you know let's say september time october time then it gets cold they don't want to come to the gym anymore and they leave but from my research that i've done you have a method to make sure your gym is you know always booked out always you know full of clients and full of people wanting to train so i wonder if you could kind of touch on that and how you use that to keep your gyms moving successfully yeah absolutely i mean um there's different types of gyms you know you got your big box gyms that you get access to equipment and so the reason most people don't feel very special going to that is there's usually like a teenager on their phone they don't even say hi to you as you scan your card and then you go off and you kind of disappear into a sea of people. You're anonymous, nobody knows you're there, nobody cares about your results, and then you leave. And the type of gyms that I have and that a lot of um, you know personal trainers have chosen to open is a more like a personal training studio, boot camp, um, yoga studios, spin studios, stuff where you have a very small exclusive membership base, but you know them really well, everybody's getting results. In fact, the, the rough estimates are about 80% of people with a regular <clears throat> regular gym membership are not seeing results, and 80% of people working with a coach or personal trainer are seeing results. And here's the thing, they have the same equipment, they're probably doing the same exercises, the main difference is one has a person who is very involved in your results and your experience, and another one that, that doesn't have one at all. And that's the only difference, right? Literally a coach or no coach. And so that is the power of like human to human service and attention. And so essentially when when we're talking about how do we keep people here and keep them engaged, because I'll be honest, Sam, selling fitness is not easy because people don't want it. This is not pizza and ice cream and concert tickets and vacation like you got to really, you know, persuade somebody to, to, to invest in their health. It is a hard sell. So then keeping them, right? So the first hard sell is to get them and then the next hard sell is to keep them because they're on still, always wanting to give up. Like you said, the slightest change in weather, the slightest change in schedule. My kids are out of school. My kids are back to school. There's a million excuses to quit. So what I found is that the two best weapons that you can use are coaches and community. And so the coach is one-to-one relationship. I want to get to know you. What are your dreams? What are your goals? What What are your biggest pain points? Do we have some resources that I can help you with? Can I educate you? And if you are solving my problems, you're actively helping me think of what to eat for dinner, what snacks are okay that are going to support my goals. You're calling and checking on me. It's really hard to quit you versus a treadmill, this lifeless piece of equipment that uh, you know doesn't add value to my life I don't have a relationship with. So it's the relationship game. Like First, the coach one-to-one relationship then there's the multitude of relationships that come with community 
So I tell my coaches like, hey, you got to be like Spider-Man. You're shooting webs from the person to as many people as possible. So you need your hair done. Oh, this client's a hairstylist. Oh, you're buying a house. Let me introduce you to her. She's a real estate agent. Um, hey, you know, you want to go get coffee? You guys are, you know, you got both moms. Maybe you guys can talk mom problems together. So it's like introducing them to as many people as possible because people quit a business, but they don't quit a relationship. And so the, that's our number one thing we have that like a big box gym doesn't have is they just offer equipment. They don't offer relationships and your small boutique fitness studios. They are all relationship based and the stronger they are at building and maintaining and growing relationships, the better health they, they have in their business. And so that is like your your weapons grade plutonium. If you're you know service industry and honestly, you can even apply it to products is ask yourself less on you know making the product and the, and the service better i mean it should still be but it's like how can we automate caring how can we you know systemize relationships how can we build this into our day-to-day tasks so our team just does this on a checklist and it doesn't get forgotten and nobody's left behind because these people will become lifers and now you almost start to become like this black hole like people come and you just keep growing and growing and growing and when they come they don't go anywhere and you can just keep exponentially growing but it always comes down to your ability to build and grow relationships. And is this what your sales team will sell people on when, you know, either they come across them online or come across them in person? They're like, hey, you know, these gyms, they're different to what you've been to before. I know you've been there, lifted weights or whatever, but we've got great coaches here. And we've also got people that are just like you or people that can help you, you know, both physically, financially, you know, all different ways spiritually. Is, is that kind of the, the selling point that your, your sales team are relying on? Yes, it is. We because we I literally like ban them from talking about the workouts. And I mm-hmm. said, try to do your best to make a sale without talking at all about workouts. And it's interesting how many people you can sell without talking about workouts. And so um, that's not what people are buying. Because remember, in whatever the audience you know uh, is selling in terms of product or service, there's a pain point that you're solving and that's the value you want to double down on, not the work, you know? So you, there's a phrase pretty popular now in business, like sell the vacation, not the travel. And the, the work of going on travel is loading my luggage and putting in the car and who's going to watch the dog and who's going to get my mail. And that no one wants to think about that, but all you're thinking about is that vacation, man. When I'm on the beach and I got a cold drink in my hands and I don't have to worry about work, man, that's going to be amazing. And so that's, you know, my world, what like the dream body, I want to be in smaller clothes sizes. I want to see my, mus- my muscular definition in the mirror. I want to have confidence. I want to have energy, but I don't want to talk about like, well, you're going to have to wake up at five in the morning. You have to eat broccoli and you got to eat less sugar and you're going to have to be disciplined. Like, I don't want to talk about all the travel and the work. And that's kind of what we change on our sales processes with zero work being discussed. It's all about dreaming and goals and outcomes. And that way they are being more, you know, like positive about this transaction. And then at the end of the day, also, like you said, like, are we bringing up the relationships? We say that we say, hey, our goal is to build a relationship with you so we can better serve you because our ultimate goal is not to just make you lose the weight. It's to keep it off. And so your your needs and your problems will change with us. And so we need to dynamically have a human that can spot this. And that's why, again, we don't have any fears of AI or some sort of service replacing us because you can't make these adjustments without that human intuition so so that's kind of how we uh, attack that from a sales perspective mm. 
And there's an element to your business where you're doing like B2B sales, where you're teaching other people how to grow their gyms. But I'm sure that kind of knowledge and experience is applicable to any business, you know, at its at its core. And then obviously the fleshed out version is like, right, get this type of equipment because otherwise you'll have to buy a new equipment every three, four years and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if you can kind of talk me through maybe the core of it and if any of it kind of sticks out to you like, hey, let's let's go deeper on that type of thing. It, yeah, I mean, I love that you use the word core because we basically go through six core concepts and they're all things not what is typically top of mind when you think of running a gym or opening a gym. Because like you said, their first thought is, what equipment should I buy? How should the logo look? And none of that stuff matters. No one walks into a gym and says, if you don't have squat machines, I'm done. I'm walking out the door. You know, I'm not going to sign up for this gym. That, that's never the case. What they're screening from day one, when I walk in, how does this place make me feel? And so um, I'll, I'll give a quick uh, example of you know this being one of our core concepts is um, state. And again, this is Tony Robbins teaching for sure. But you, he says you change your state, you change your life. And everything we do in business produces a state for the person on the receiving end. So if you were past due, Sam, with my company, and I just wrote you a one sentence email, hey, Sam, looks like your account's past due, please take care of that for me, dash, dust, and send. What state is that recipient going to be in? Like, oh, these guys, like, you know, they, have, they have, there's no care. They're very quick to the point. They're just here to collect my money. And that's one way of me doing past due collection. Or I could write an email, hey, Sam, I'm sure it was a mistake. Maybe your card expired. Maybe it was something else. Who knows? But I did want you to know there's an outstanding balance of so-and-so. Uh, I'd love to hop on a call and help you get this settled so we can take care of it. And there's no interruptions in your service. Dash, Dustin, send different state when the person receiving that email. So when we're in business, we can quickly just go through our to-do list and our checklist to get it done, but we're not asking what is the state this will put somebody in. And the same thing in a gym, somebody walks in, hey Sam, and I start fixing the equipment, I started rearranging my space. Can I check the box? Dustin asked me to greet the clients by first name. Yes, but was it kind of flat? Did I really do my best? Or if I'm like, hey, Sam, what's up? It's 8 a.m., man. Let's do this. I'm excited to work out with you, get you jazzed up for your day, give you lots of energy. I'm ready to do this, man. How's your day going so far? Mm. Same thing. Both of them were greetings. Both of them, I could check the box and say greeting completed. One puts me in a flat state. One puts me in a, a you know elevated state. So if we look at businesses, like our job is to literally change our customer's state regardless of what industry you're in, whatever product you're selling, service, ask yourself process by process, system by system, are we doing this with the state in mind or are we doing this in the to-do, get it done mind? And so that's one of the core concepts we kind of tackle first. Is like, you guys probably got some baseline systems, but I want you to go through it again and ask yourself, what state does each system put your client in? And if you're not happy with the state it will put them in, rewrite the SOP, redo it, retrain your team, with that being the goal in mind, not to get it done, get it done with the right state outcome. And that is a huge game changer for many of the gym owners, which again, they're not thinking through. And I'll tell you the honest truth. I didn't think through too. When I first started my first gym, I was, like I said, equipment coaches done. And so we got to go into those deeper problems to root out what, what's not helping the business grow. Mm. And, and speaking about those deeper problems, you know, th those are the ways to kind of make your gym better. But for me, I was, you know, when I was doing my research, I was like, what, what, is, what does Dustin like about what he's doing? What's driving Dustin to be this gym owner, this teaching other people to own gyms? And what I kind of stumbled across is that you're at a war or you're 
on a war or having a war with obesity. I don't know if yes. you could talk a bit about that and, you know, what, what is the purposes of this war? What are the terms and, you know, what's the outcomes type thing? Yeah, it's, it's the war right now that's being led, unfortunately, by the United States, but the global population is not far behind. Uh, based on the CDC, CDC statistics they released last year, we will be achieving, which is not a good achievement, 50% population obesity by the year 2030. That's not a long ways away. That means every out of every two people you look at, one will be obese and one won't be. And for those that don't know, because I know I'm in the industry, so I know these, but there's like, you know, I, you know, ideal body weight, normal body weight, then there's overweight and then there's obese. So it's like right to obese, half of the population will be by 2030. They said the global population will follow suit by 2035, just five years later, the entire world will have a 50% obesity. So what happens when obesity is so high people are dying way sooner like think about ceos that genius ideas and we don't get to see those ideas because they they die too early um kids are losing their their parents way too early um there's way inflated medical costs being put on families because they have to buy medication or get surgeries for this so it's like all of it's negative and then you've met you uh, the person if you're the person with the health problems you feel like crap for your life. Your quality of life is low. You you don't feel like moving. You don't feel like doing things. You're uninspired. So you're not starting businesses. You're not pushing yourself. You're not trying to grow. And then you're reproducing that inside your family. So it's just like unhealthy, you know, just kind of spread leads to more unhealthy people. Right. And so it's it's a cancer, you know, no pun intended, but we got to we got to kill it. And so I'm on this war against obesity. And the only way to change it is to change people's mindsets, to change their habits, and to change the education that is facing them. Because we, we have it completely removed from our school system. You will literally learn nothing about nutrition and graduate and be sent off to the rest of your life when it's the thing that gives you life. Literally, your food and your water make up your body, give it life, and think about that for a moment. You will not be taught anything about it. And then if your parents have never cooked and you grew up on fast food drive through lanes, you combine that with the habits that you're learning in the house, what are your chances of not achieve, you know, getting into that obese category? Pretty low. It's probably a pretty high chance. If you're not educated on nutrition, come from a household that doesn't eat good, maybe you got a bunch of family health problems, you're probably going to follow suit. And then obese kids and obese families, like obese parents raise obese kids who then or raise more obese kids. And so it's like a huge negative, uh, you know, unfortunate series of events. And so that's why I get so passionate about it. And the people that I go for to be like the Trojan horse of change is mom. Cause she is the nucleus of the household. When mom gets healthy, usually the husband, the spouse, the kids get healthy just by a ripple effect because she tends to control what comes in the house. She's typically cooking dinner. She's deciding which restaurant we're going to go to. She's going to be the one that's going to allow the kids to sit on the TV and watch Netflix, or she's going to turn it off and say, we're getting outside. We're going to ride our bikes. Like she is the agent of change. And that's why my gyms, we're very much focused on helping mom and a lot. And my, I have an online nutrition coaching program for moms. And so they're the person that I'm out to change because I believe that if you change mom, you change the family. And so I know that if we can just turn this around, we can start making the numbers go downward. But that just scares the living crap out of me that if we achieve 50% by 2030, what's it going to look like in 2040, 2050 and beyond, you know? So, so that's that 
war that I've staked my flag on the ground to fight very, very fiercely, Sam. Yeah, I mean, it's a noble cause. You know, I stand behind you in that. You know, I've been, you know, when I was 18, I was muscly big, playing rugby all the time, playing a lot of basketball. And then I went through some things in my life, got really fat. And when I say really fat, it's, it's unbelievable how fat I got from being so fit. But it was just like, I went from working out, you know, four or five times a week to not working out and eating, you know, pints and pints of ice cream and five meals a day still but these meals had doubled in size and the quality of that food went from being you know let's say you know my good rice broccoli and chicken or you know some fish and some pasta to like anything that was greasy anything just to kind of fill that hole and that's that's mainly because I'd got from the point of having the mindset right and had my habits in place so you know the habits fell out of place so the mindset fell down and it was just it was a steady decline down you know to pick someone up from that low point you have to get into their habits because their habits are, you know, feeding into the mindset. The mindset's feeding into the habits. And I'm wondering, how do you disturb someone's habits in order to make them live a, a healthier life? You know, the, even before they've even stepped through the door to the gym, what is that thing that you're saying to them or offering them, Dustin, that's making them think, yeah, I, I see where this is going? Yeah, I, I, from my understanding of behavior change, again, I've done a lot of looking and researching on it, but I definitely know I have more to learn. People do not change until they have to or they want to. The have to talk happens when the doctor says, one more cheeseburger, you're going to have a heart attack. You are pre-diabetic. You know, you have one more ice cream cone and you're over the line. And when people are finally like right at that edge of the cliff or they've already done something that's got them, you know, even over it they then start freaking out and like money is no longer a factor your mortality you know is at stake your family's at stake and now you have to leap into action and you have to change something unfortunately a lot of people need to get to that place we don't tend to make change until we're at 10 out of 10 level of pain and a lot of times my team will come to me and say i try to sell this sell this person get them on the program they don't want to do it and they're waiting for me to give them some sort of magical over uh, overcoming objection and i'm like they're just not enough pain. They, you know, it's sad to say, but they need to go pack on 20 more pounds. They're, they're not in enough pain. If someone has five pounds to lose, they're probably not going to sign up for our program because we're a fat loss program. And so it's when they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds overweight, the pain is so intense. I can't take it. I need this weight off and I need it gone now. And so we don't, we don't typically change until we're at that have to place. The want to is you are very much driven by the pleasure. Like you want, the ladies want their glutes to look good for their trip to Mexico. They want to look great on their 40th birthday. They want to rock, you know, ladies night out. I want to show up. There's no like have to, the doctor's not coming down on you. You have this deep, deep desire. And so you see that like in athletes who, I, I want to win the game. I want to win the bodybuilding competition. I want to look good for date night. You know, like whatever that want to is, that is such 10 out of 10 pleasure. So we as beings typically need extreme uh, emotions to move into action. The dead man zone is in the middle. I kind of would like to lose some weight and I kind of like to look better for my 40th, but I kind of don't want to do the work and I kind of don't want to sacrifice and then no change happens. So it's got to be 10 out of 10 pain or 10 out of 10 gain. Otherwise, people don't move. And so that's what I've seen in, in, you know, just understanding behavior change. They have to or they want to. The goal when you're selling somebody on fitness is to change them from I don't really want this to I desperately want this. And so that's what needs to transpire in that conversation is like, you know, 
what's your goal? You know, how badly do you want this goal? Not so bad. All right. I need to get them to a 10. Otherwise, I'm not even going to bother sharing price because if they say I'm not really in a lot of pain, I present price. It's almost a guaranteed no and they're walking out the door. So I gotta say, what's that cost if you gain more weight? What's that cost if you don't change your habits? What's that cost if you know you just keep taking life the way it's going right now? And if they don't sell me that things are gonna get really bad, I, I, I might not even end up going to the pitch. I might say, okay, well, I, I don't think we're the right program for you. And I'll start wrapping it up and I'm getting them to fight me to, to say, no, 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 like, let, let's keep talking. And so again, with habits, it's what we are. We literally wake up and we're day by day, a, pe- a, a pile of habits is literally what makes up a human. You know, how you start your day, what you do in the middle of the day, what you do at the end of the day. And so it's kind of the, the easiest path for change when it comes to fitness because you are going to eat something. You are going to get a certain amount of sleep. You're going to drink water or not drink water. These are choices you're making. And if we can just change them, this compounding effect takes place where you fast forward weeks or months down the road and your body is now a new body. So it's the nutrition. That's why I get really excited about nutrition because that is the workout free version of transformation. You can literally not go to the gym. You don't have to lift weights. People think they do. You can absolutely change your body through nutrition. I just think the way workouts really plug into things is they give your body muscle tone and they give you shape. You can't, your nutrition cannot do that for you. And then it just makes you motivated to want to eat healthy. It gets the blood flowing. It gets you in the endorphins. It makes you feel good. So it does have a contributing factor, but there's many people who have transformed their body through diet alone. And so again, we're talking through their habits of their day. And then we pick one habit at a time because a lot of people try to change everything overnight. And so the real answer is to take one habit at a time and stack it. And, and stack and stack and stack until your habits are that of a f- person with a fitness identity rather than your habits are probably that of a person with no fitness identity. And so ask yourself, what does the fit people do? Well, I see them always drinking protein shakes and doing supplements and they're eating healthier and they're always at the gym. And what do fat people do? They binge watch Netflix, their hands in a bag of potato chips. Um, they're not drinking water. They're just drinking diet soda. So it's like, okay, we have this gap. Which one do you want to attack first? Okay, then the next one, then the next one, and we're going to slowly transfer you so you're one of these people and you stop being one of these people. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Dustin. And I wonder for you, seeing as your you know, identity is now as a fitness person, but you are you know, currently living in, but also aspiring to get to the next level of entrepreneurship and business leadership and business ownership, what does that look like for you in your day-to-day and your habits what do you do to you know grow yourself as an entrepreneur because by most people's standards yes you're a success but i can tell by the way you spoke over the you know the last 45 minutes that you're like i'm not there yet but i know how to get there but i'm wondering what is the work that you're doing to continue that 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 is the gift and curse of entrepreneurship is freedom like Nobody tells me what to do. No one makes my checklist. No one looks over my shoulder. That is the joy, but it is also a curse because you can spend a lot of time doing the same thing over and over, living Groundhog Day, and there's no growth in your business because you've just spent the last X amount of months doing the wrong habits and focusing on the wrong things. So that's where mentorship comes in. You need, in my opinion, always outside eyes looking in and saying, why are you doing that? Why are you not doing this? And it was like, oh, I don't know. This is just what I've always done. This is my autopilot. And so you need to be challenged. And so that that's why, again, I enjoy mentoring gym owners and, and giving them the outside perspective because I can spot things before 
they have to waste months and years kind of just grinding and not seeing the results. And so um, I think that's number one, that every entrepreneur should have a coach, a mentor, a business, uh, you know, a coach, a, a, mas a mastermind. But but make sure it's not too groupish where they're not getting involved in your day-to-day -day life. Um, you know, if you just show up to a weekly Zoom call and they never challenge your habits and what you're working on, you're probably not going to get the same benefit. Um, but yeah, I think that that's something that I've set up basically a 90-day reminder for me where I have a series of questions. And it's basically to me challenge my habits and what I've been working on and ask, okay, you've been doing this for the last 90 days. Has it produced the results you wanted? Or do you need to change things? Do you need to focus? Do you need to cut meetings? Do you need to stop doing this task because there's no fruit coming from it? Um, do you need to go hire a coach? You know, there's a, a list of questions I go through. And so it's just a monthly reflection that I have to fill out. And then I review it with my wife because she's very heavily involved. And so that's something that works for me. But to each their own, set up some sort of cadence where you're just stopping, getting above the water, and you're not doing your day-to-day -day tasks and you're just checking, am I doing the most impactful work for my business? And you're right, Sam, I'm not at where I wanna be yet. I don't think you ever do hit that point as an entrepreneur, you keep moving the goalpost. But um, yeah, I, I definitely have hit some of my goals, but more to hit for sure. Mm. And there's this thing with entrepreneurship where a lot of people kind of just doing things, but never checking the, the results of things, you know, as long as it makes money, oh, that's fantastic. Or as long as I'm seeing clients come to the door, that's great. But from this conversation, what I've gathered is you've seen all these parts and you've pieced it all together and gone, actually, it's great to have loads of people coming through the door, but it's great to have the same people coming through the door, people returning to my business. Okay, it's great to be doing this, but why am I doing this? What's the purpose behind it? What's the meaning? What's the reasoning? And, you know, that's, that's something that I'll definitely take away from this. But something I, I definitely want to ask you, and it's a question I've been asking quite a few of my last recent guests, especially ones that mentioned, you know, coaching and masterminds and, you know, they, they have the success to prove the kind of results of these things is, okay, you go to coaches, you go to masterminds, but are you reading books? Are you listening to certain podcasts? I know you have your own podcast, but I'm just wondering, you know, what's the, what's the book that impacted you the most? I know you have your own book as well, but, you know, these types of things are the things I'm asking people like yourself. Yeah, I think some of the best growth I experienced was I, I was very much heavily investing into industry specific coaches, mentors, masterminds. It was just like fitness, fitness, fitness. But eventually I decided, you know, hey, there's a, got a lot of regurgitation. I'm hearing a lot of the same stuff. So I'm going to go, I'm going to step out of fitness and try somebody that's more just broad. And oh my God, some of the amazing insight I got because they're just not living in it so they question things differently it's kind of like a kid right a kid comes into our world and it was like why do we do this why do we do that and you're like oh my gosh like i don't like everybody just accepts this you're right why do we do that and so that's one of the best pieces of growth that i've seen is when i hire an outside industry mentor or coach so i would urge the audience like do that i think that you'll get immense you know uh, value from having somebody that's obviously smart with business but they they can see things you can't see. And we're, we sometimes in our industries get really blind to doing things because everybody else does it or this is the industry norm. But disruption is when you challenge the industry norm, right? And now you have a completely unique offering that no one's doing. A lot of times we're fighting for the same customer because everybody's doing the same offering and the same roughly price point and they all say that they're better than the others. But are they really? You know, we don't know. Um, and then uh, in terms of like, other you know pieces of growth. Same, I, I applied the same thing to books and to podcasts. Like, sure, I buy lots of 
books and listen to podcasts that are about business growth and fitness, but I also get lots of great insights thinking of, or just listening to more broad, um, you know, um, uh, um, mentors. And so one of the best books I just read recently, Sam, if you haven't read it is marketing made simple by Donald Miller. Uh, he also has story brand, um, amazing book. And again, simplicity is what I loved about it. It was like one key message, step-by-step how to do it. And he's, he's obviously good at doing that. That's the whole name of his brand, simple. So that was a, a great one. If anybody hasn't read that, I'd say other great books that have had an impact on me is the, is the great CEO within that was an amazing one. Lots of practicality in there. Um, we, everybody's probably said uh, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Again, I'm a big relationships person. So that's like the entry level skills to kind of like learn that game. And then for leadership, it's definitely the five levels of leadership with John Maxwell. Um, I think, again, one that I read every year and I still get takeaways because the book doesn't change, obviously, but you change. And so as you grow and mature and you learn more, when you reread the same book, you get different takeaways from it because you're at a different stage of growth. And so those are those are some of my favorites that I definitely could think of at the top of my mind that have really made a big impact on me and my business. Yeah. And you touched on something there that a few of my other guests have mentioned as well, where you might read a book at one stage in your life and you go, oh, that's great. That's a great book. And you go back to it and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was, you know, hidden these exact same pages that haven't changed at all. So yes. I, there's definitely a benefit there to reading a book more than once if something was of value to you once. And, you know, there's there's also the idea of maybe you're reading stuff that's a bit ahead of where you're at i feel a lot of people you know start their business and they're like right got to learn how to do ceo stuff and manage teams it's like first of all make some sales you know because you won't be able to pay yeah. a team without any sales type thing you know yeah 100 percent. there's there's uh it's a sequence that you got to go through and so yeah like it, until your business is booming and you got more sales and more you know then you know what to do with more clients then don't worry about diving into the ceo type stuff like be, be the front. And honestly, most business owners need to just be focused on marketing and sales and, and then just making sure that they train up team that can do the fulfillment and just getting more people in, into their business. That's where their, their time is best spent. That is true. That is very true. Well, Dustin, I've been asking you a question and it's a, a very easy question because it's one that comes from within, but I ask it to every single guest just so I can kind of understand what makes them tick and what makes them talk. But what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Uh, I, I'm pretty simple in that way, man. Like I've always just been about helping people. Like I would just, I just would want to help, you know, like that's just always been my nature. And I didn't really like come into business thinking like if I help, I get like, if I do this for this person, I'm always getting on phone calls with people, getting nothing in return, giving them business advice. Um, I put out lots of free content, I have a podcast too. I put out posts on my Facebook and Instagram. I just come from a place of wanting to help. And I know it'll come back to me, the law of reciprocity, but I don't think about it like that. I just wake up every day. I put on my serve hat and I think, how can I solve problems for people? Um, that's just my nature. Call it being a typical guy. Cause I know guys can be problem solvers, but essentially like there's not like, uh, you know, some sort of like deep plan that I have in place. It's just like wake up and help people with the experiences I've had. So who can I help? I could help people who are in an unhealthy place, get healthy. That's my trainer, you know, knowledge. And I know I can help people in business, specifically gym owners with 
all of their processes and help them grow a business that's wildly profitable. And I'm even, you know, branching out into other uh, markets and industries for people that are like, hey, heard the, heard this interview, you know, I saw your post, can you help me in my sales process? And so that's kind of been fun to kind of step into other, you know, industries and help people. So um, I'm sure I'll continue to grow and, and help other, you know, areas. But for now, that's who I feel equipped to help. And that's just kind of how I'm wired, man. I just wake up and help some people today. Where can the people find you online? Yeah, I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram. Just search my name, Dustin Bogle, and you'll see my stuff. I have a funny Monday tradition. Every Monday, my team mocks up my face on some sort of movie poster. So they've done Braveheart and Mission Impossible and you know all kinds of uh, silly ones. So that's kind of a fun thing you'll see every Monday. And lo- expect lots of sales, marketing, and leadership lessons. Those are kind of my three jams. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 